Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious Father, on this day we remember the baptism of our Lord. On this day we remember the beginning of His work. On this day we remember the coming of the Spirit upon Him that will empower Him and send Him forth that will reveal to us that He is our Messiah. Help us, O Lord, to see Him revealed. Help us to know Him as He is revealed. That we might be changed by who He is. Enable us, Father, to follow Him by knowing Him. Enable us to know Him by the pouring out of Your Spirit upon us each and every day of our lives. That we would evermore follow Him and be guided by Your hand, O Lord. All of this we do ask through that very same Jesus Christ. Amen. As I said just a few moments ago, we have entered into what is known as the season of Epiphany. A season that began yesterday with us remembering the coming of the Magi. Those strange men, those astrologers, those astronomers. Those who are known as kings in some of our traditions. Who came from the east following the star. Coming to find this king who was born. Who would be king of the Jews. But in their coming is made known that this one is not merely the king of the Jews, but is the king of all. The one appointed by the one true God to rule over all things. And for those magi, He was revealed to them, and they worshipped Him, recognizing Him for who He is. And likewise, with the The rest of the season of Epiphany, we come to focus on the work of Christ. We come to focus on His being revealed to the world. In many readings associated with the Epiphany, there's another one. The wedding at Cana, where Jesus turns water into wine. St. John calls that His first sign, His first act, His first revelation of who He is. And here this day, on this first Sunday of Epiphany, we come to hear one of the other major Epiphany texts of the baptism of Jesus. Of Him being marked with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descending upon Him and resting upon Him and empowering Him. This one who is both God and man receives the Holy Spirit in order to be more fully prepared for the work of that He is called to do. That as God in the flesh, He receives God, the Spirit, descending upon Him for us and for our salvation. And that's what Jesus' baptism is about. It's about Him being revealed as the Son who is the Messiah for us and for our salvation. And that His receiving of the Spirit means that we receive the Spirit. 
His receiving of the Spirit means that the Holy Spirit can be poured out upon His people, for He is the one through whom the Spirit comes. The Spirit doesn't just willy-nilly show up in our lives. He comes through Jesus for us. Because Jesus is the one through whom the Spirit comes. And as we consider what that means for us today, what it means for the Spirit to come to us through Jesus, I want us to think about two aspects of who the Spirit is. Who is this Holy Spirit? I think there are two aspects that fully connect with our text here in the Gospel of St. Mark. The first thing that I want us to remember is that the Holy Spirit is life. He is the one who brings life out of chaos. He brings order out of disorder. And this is what we see in the very beginning of Scripture. There in Genesis 1, after God says, let there be light, it says that the Spirit hovered over the water. Actually, let me rephrase that. It says that God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form. And the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. And then God goes on to say, let there be light. But the Holy Spirit was there at the beginning of creation. The Spirit was hovering over those waters and out of those waters, out of that chaos of creation, life and order will come. And so it's a picture of the Holy Spirit subduing the chaos in order to bring about creation, to bring about life out of the chaos. For that's what those waters represented for the Jewish people, for the Israelites. It was utter and complete chaos. It was the enemy assaulting them, the enemy attacking them. It was a place of uncertainty. But even over that place of uncertainty, the Spirit of God hovers. The Spirit of God dwells. The Spirit of God works. And throughout that creation week, we see how the Spirit acts and brings life. Brings forth the land out of the waters. Brings forth life out of that land throughout that week. Because He subdues the chaos. And He brings forth life into creation. Alongside that, that the Spirit is life, we also must remember that the Spirit is peace. And this happens after the flood. Another moment of Watery chaos spreading over the whole earth, bringing judgment upon the earth. But in the midst of that judgment, there is salvation, as Noah and his family are saved in the ark. But after many, many, many days of the flood, Noah sends out a dove who goes out and flies around. And when he returns, he brings back an olive branch. This dove returns back to Noah bringing the symbol of peace. The symbol that becomes known to us for peace. If the waters had covered all the earth, how is it that this dove brings back an olive branch? It means that the waters are receding. That judgment has been concluded. That condemnation is accomplished. That it is over. That it is now no more. And that now new creation is being brought forth from the waters. And most of all, it means that there is now peace between God and His people. Judgment has ended and renewal is now 
coming upon the face of the earth. That dove returns with the olive branch to declare peace between God and man. And Noah receives that. And he waits patiently for that new creation to be revealed. For that picture of new creation to be revealed as the waters recede and the earth is refreshed once more. And so here that coming of the Spirit upon Jesus in His baptism is a reminder of us of the life of the Spirit. That the Spirit is life. That He is poured out over the waters to bring forth life. But that He is also the peace that we need between us and God. That He declares that peace. And so He comes as a dove upon Jesus. Declaring that through Jesus, peace will come. That God is accomplishing His peace and He brings it through the Messiah. Through the one upon whom the Spirit rests. And so we see those two aspects of the Messiah, of the Spirit right now. The Spirit is life and the Spirit is peace. Seeing who the Spirit is, those two aspects relating directly to our text and relating to where we're going today. Let us consider who is the Messiah now. And in that beautiful passage read from Isaiah 42, we hear of the Lord's chosen servant. And this chosen servant is the Messiah. He is the one who has been given. Right there in verse, 42, uh, verse 1 of chapter 42, Isaiah writes of Yahweh saying, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed... He will not break. In a faintly burning wick, He will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Here in Isaiah 42, we see a picture of who the Messiah is. We see that He is the one upon whom the Spirit descends. The one upon whom Yahweh places His Spirit to anoint Him, to empower Him, to send Him forth, to mark Him and set Him apart for the work. And here in Isaiah, this Messiah is called the the servant of the Lord. He is the chosen servant. And as you read through these chapters in Isaiah, you hear more and more and more of who this servant is and the work that he will accomplish and that we eventually see him become the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. This one upon whom the Holy Spirit descends is the very one upon whom all of sin will be placed. And that he will put to death that sin. He will be put to death in order to undo sin's power over us. That is the work of the Messiah. And verse 4 goes on to say that this servant will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. One of the things I've thought about this week is this he will faithfully bring forth justice. One of the things that struck me is that what is justice in this moment? So much of what Isaiah is about in this passage is Israel having been in exile is being returned back to the promised land. Being returned back into God's presence. And that is a picture of God faithfully accomplishing justice. For justice is 
the one who is imprisoned by sin being freed from that sin. Those who have been exiled on account of their sin, who have been forgiven, are now being welcomed back and justice is being accomplished in that regard. As forgiveness is poured out, sin is undone and the shackles of sin upon God's people is being broken. Those shackles are being removed. And that is the justice that this servant is accomplishing in this moment. It's freeing the people from sin itself. For sin is the one who has driven them into exile. Sin is the one who has caused them to falter and fall away from their covenant God. And likewise for us, this Messiah works in us. He works His justice by freeing us from sin. Because He has dealt with that sin. And so He will faithfully execute justice in us by putting to death sin in us by His death and raising us up to new life and freedom in Him. Removing sin from us, removing its shackles and its controls over us. Reshaping us and renewing us over and over and over as He plants His new heart within us. In order that we would then follow Him. In order that we would then be the true people of God. That we would become the kind of people who follow Him. The kind of people who walk in obedience to His will and obedience to His word. That is what the Messiah does in us as He works justice in us. As He is careful not to snuff out the faintly burning wick. As He is careful to not break the bruised reed that is us in and of ourselves, broken and condemned by our sin, damaged and hurt by sin itself. But even more, this Messiah has been called by the Lord in righteousness. Yahweh says in verse 6, I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. The servant is one who is the covenant itself. That he is the one in whom the covenant is made. Again, a picture of what the Messiah will do for us. The Messiah is the one who unites the people of God to God Himself. The covenant is the establishment of that relationship between God and His people. And there is Jesus in the middle of it, the perfect servant, the Messiah, who is that covenant, both God and man. Fulfilling all the obligations of the covenant, fulfilling all the promises of the covenant, receiving all the condemnations of the covenant for His people. He is the covenant for us. And thus, He becomes a light for the nations, for He has made a way to the Father. He has made a way to God Himself. That is what the Messiah does. And He goes on to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison. Those who sit in darkness shall be made free. I am the Lord. That is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And then Yahweh says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Behold, they spring forth, I tell you of them. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. One thing that this Isaiah 42.9 is not about, for I hear it quoted constantly all the time, Oh, the Lord is doing a new thing. That's what He says in Isaiah, right? But the new thing that the Lord is doing is not random acts. 
Not everything new that happens is covered by this verse. So many people want to spread it out and rip it from its context. But there is a context and meaning here. Yahweh has just described the work of the servant, His Messiah. He is the one who will be that covenant for the people. He will open the eyes of the blind. He will bring prisoners out of darkness. He will work justice faithfully. And after describing all the work of the Messiah, Yahweh says, new things I now declare. These new things are centered on the Messiah Himself. They are centered on the work of the servant for the people of God. In fact, I believe that those new things are actually the servant Himself doing the work of God. Being the one who receives the Holy Spirit, who is filled with the Spirit, in order that we too would then receive that Holy Spirit. This new thing is Yahweh working through His servant to accomplish redemption, forgiveness, new life, salvation for the world. He is going to work through the Spirit given to Him by Yahweh to accomplish Yahweh's plan. That is the new thing. The plan is Jesus, the eternal Son of God in human flesh, sent to receive the Spirit and to accomplish salvation. God's new thing is not whatever fancy thing crosses our minds. Whatever reinterpretation of Scripture that people come up with today, that is not God's new thing. It's not here, this verse doesn't exist here, so that we can claim whatever we imagine is approved by God. Because first and foremost, this verse is about God's new thing in Jesus for us. God taking on flesh and being born of a virgin into this world and then revealed to the world through baptism, through His work for us. That is God's new thing. That is the new thing that is happening and that we are remembering that is being imprinted upon us day in and day out. That is the thing He has told us about beforehand. And that's what we hear about throughout the New Testament, this work of the Messiah the work of the servant of God. And so we've heard of who this Spirit is that brings life and peace. We hear of this Messiah now, this servant of God, who will go on to suffer for His people, but will establish justice and bring us salvation by being the covenant for us. How does this all come back now to Jesus' baptism? For we hear in Jesus' baptism what the Father says to Jesus. As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were torn open and the Spirit descended on Him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Those are the very words echoing what we heard at the beginning of Isaiah 42. My chosen one, the one with whom I am pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. I hear the Father echoes the very promises he made concerning his servant. The Father echoes those words for us and echoes words from throughout Scripture, from Psalm 2, the declaration of the King being begotten of God, being the Son of God. Those words of Yahweh to Abraham in Genesis 22 is Abraham is told to take Isaac, his beloved son, to sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. 
We hear words echoed from throughout the Old Testament in this moment of God declaring that Jesus is the one that everything was pointing to. That that willing act of sacrifice of the beloved son by Abraham, the declaration of the king as the son who serves here on earth, the declaration of the servant as the one in whom Yahweh is well pleased, all culminates and comes together in Jesus with the Spirit descending upon Him as a dove. The Spirit descending upon Him and resting upon Him. Becoming Him, becoming the one through whom the Spirit will now come. What does all of this mean then for us? That Jesus is the Messiah and has received the Spirit on our behalf. Jesus is baptized for us. His baptism, in fact, gives rise to our baptism. His baptism means that our baptism has meaning now. He is the Messiah and Son of God is baptized not because He needs it. He didn't need it like all the others that John had been baptizing. But He was baptized in order to identify with us and carry us with Him through our baptisms. In a way, all those people who went before Him into that Jordan to be baptized were washing their sins away, for they were confessing their sins. And those sins were washed off of them into the Jordan. They confessed their sins because they knew that they were dead in trespasses and needed new life. But then Jesus goes into that water in order to identify with them and us. And something of the reverse happens. That as Jesus is baptized, it's like He takes upon Himself all the sins that have been washed off into that river. And they are placed upon Him and He carries them then throughout His ministry. He carries them then forward to the cross where they are finally dealt with. Those people then confess that they were sinners when they were baptized. And in our baptisms, we confess likewise that we are sinners in need of salvation. That sinfulness is washed off of us in baptism and it's taken up by Jesus in His baptism. It's a mystery. It's a mysterious picture in which baptism transcends time itself by the power of God Himself. That which is mine is washed away to Jesus that He might then carry it and deal with it at the cross. All my sins are dealt with at the cross because Jesus is the eternal Son of God who was also baptized and repents of my sins on my behalf. He is baptized in order to identify with me. And I am baptized in order to identify with Him. Letting my sins be washed away, confessing that I am a sinner, being condemned by that very baptism. Because there is a condemnatory nature to baptism. To be baptized is to say, I am a sinner. To be baptized into Jesus is to say, I need Jesus. And I need Jesus because I am a sinner. And so baptism becomes a mark of condemnation. But nonetheless, Jesus in His baptism brings me to life through my baptism. Because He was given the Spirit for me that I too would then receive that very Spirit. We hear something of this from St. Peter when he says in 
his epistle, in his first epistle in chapter 3, baptism which corresponds to the flood, now saves you. What was the flood? The flood was a condemnation and salvation for the world. And baptism corresponds to that, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That flood brought condemnation and salvation, culminating in that coming of the dove with the olive branch to Noah. Likewise, baptism condemns me, but it also brings salvation to me. It doesn't remove physical dirt, but it removes. But through it, there is a crying out for that renewed conscience, a renewal from my sinfulness, because I'm confessing that I am a sinner in need of salvation. And baptism marks me as that sinner who needs salvation and also unites me to Christ. It brings me that renewed conscience by bringing me the Holy Spirit. Because in Jesus' baptism, He received the Holy Spirit. I'm given a renewal from my sinfulness, which has put me to death, which has made me deserving of condemnation. My baptism brings about my condemnation and simultaneously brings about my salvation for it places me in the ark who is Jesus. It places me in that realm of salvation in Jesus. Uniting me to Jesus. Uniting me even to Jesus' baptism. There the Spirit of peace descends upon Jesus in His baptism. That the Spirit might descend upon me in my baptism. For He pours that Spirit out upon me because He received the Spirit in order to send the Spirit forth. And so for you and I, we cling to baptism. We cling to it by faith, knowing that Jesus is at work through us. For He was baptized for us to take away our sins in order that through our baptisms we would then receive His life. That through the faith He gives to us by the Spirit He pours upon us, we can receive Him as the Messiah. For the words of our prayer this day, Eternal Father, at the baptism of Jesus, You revealed Him to be Your Son, and Your Holy Spirit descended upon Him like a dove. Grant that we, who are born again by water and the Spirit, may be faithful as Your adopted children. Through that baptism that we receive, we are united into Christ and His baptism for us. That He identifies with us. He puts Himself in our place. And then we become united to Him by the pouring out of His Spirit through our baptisms. So that we can then be faithful children of God. So that we can walk as children of God. So that we can walk as His people and receive all the benefits that come through Him of life and salvation and forgiveness. It all pours out through Him by the pouring out of His Spirit and the pouring out of that water upon Him and upon us. Connecting us, uniting us mysteriously and beautifully that we might then walk and be healed. That we would no longer be A wick that is slowly smoldering, but a wick that brings forth life, that comes forth in life, that we would no longer be a bruised reed about to break, but would become a healed reed that is strong in the Lord. 
We are called into that through our baptisms because Jesus was baptized. Because Jesus received the Spirit in His baptism, He then pours that Spirit upon us to make these things true for us this day. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.